That said, let's uh, go to God's Word together. Uh, John chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 37, John 7, verse 37. And uh, this is God's word. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, speaking of cool stuff that's happening at the church, uh, did anybody come to the men's thing yesterday? Who came to the men's thing? Was that not amazing? It was great. Um, And uh, David Shea gave his testimony and I don't know if you know David and Molly Shea, but they've been around here forever and ever and ever, uh, 20 years. And uh, David basically uh, told the room that he's become a Christian in the last three or four years. And uh, he'd been around the gospel, near the gospel, heard it articulated, but uh, came to Christ in the last few years. And it's just, Chris, Luke, and I were talking about it this morning, just how awesome and stunning and amazing our God is in the way he works and saves. It's awesome. But... All to say, I'm going to steal something that David said. He was talking about when he was a kid. His mother was married and divorced three, four times. His dad was married and divorced three times. And I don't know if it was dad, his dad or one of the dudes. I can't remember which, but one of the dudes uh, told David and his brother to do the chores. They had to, to do the chores. I don't know why. Was it on a farm? Was he on a farm? Was it on a farm? For, yeah, there was outdoor dogs on a farm. So these big old outdoor dogs on a farm, and one of their chores was to change the water, the dog water. And uh, the dude, dad, whoever this guy was, comes home and goes, uh, yeah, did you do your chores? Oh, yeah, we did our chores, but they did not do the chores, and they didn't do the dog water. And so the dude, dad, whoever he was, comes in with two glasses full of that stuff. And, you know, it's dirty, it's got mud in it and hair and just gross, a bug and gross and uh, he says, if it's good enough for the dog, it's good enough for you too. And he made him drink it. Oh, which I think is awesome. Uh, good, good for him, you know. Uh, well, we, we recoil at the idea of drinking, you know, farm dog water that's been outside and is dirty and filthy. I mean, nobody wants to drink gross, disgusting water. Contrast that to you coming back home to Memphis after a long trip. Are you like me? I love getting an ice, ice cold glass of Memphis water, which a water expert I read uh, yesterday uh, called it the sweetest water in the world. We have Memphis sands and 250 wells go through the sand, the Memphis sands, and it purifies it almost all the way. We just do a little city stuff to it, and then we all drink it. But I mean, you contrast that with the dog water. Um, uh, it, it, that's what you're craving after a long, uh, hot day of mowing the lawn, not dirty dog water. Now, I'm going to tie those two things together in our closing point, but just tuck that away. Um, for, for now, uh, let's go to our main idea, which is this. Um, Jesus can meet the deepest need of your humanity. Um, thirst is about the strongest thing a human being can feel concerning their health. I mean, you feel it acutely, but you feel it quickly. 
You can go a few days without food. You can go a few weeks without food. I am, I am like a camel. I really feel like I could go, you know, six, seven weeks, and I would still have, have muffin tops. Um, a, little, a little gas to spare, but uh, that sounds horrible. But anyway, um, but water, after just a, a day or so, uh, your lips start to get hard and weird and sunken in, and, and you start to raisin up. Um, and, uh, in just a few days, you feel thirst quite acutely and thirst changes all your priorities. And thirst is a great word that the, that the Bible uses, um, about the great deep need of the soul, uh, that we feel this thing so acutely concerning our spirituality. And, uh, that's what Jesus is precisely saying in this passage today. He's announcing, he's placarding, he's proclaiming, he's pleading, he's crying out to these people that he's the water they're looking for, and he's not just talking about earthly water, he's talking about the thing that is deepest inside the core of your humanity, the thing you want the most, he's the one who can meet that need. Awesome. And uh, let's explore that together. Uh, First point, what a great day. Uh, It says in verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day. Jesus stood up and cried out, and he says these things. Now, you remember that Jesus had shown up at this Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. It's the third of three big feasts, and it's the last one, and it's the harvest one. And so it's the harvest one. They're happy. Uh, They've got food enough to live on for the winter. It's all in the barns. Harvest is done, and they're hunkering down for the the winter to come. And um, they have this this happy festival. It's maybe the happiest of festivals. And uh, it's on the last day, the great day, uh, and Jesus shows up. Uh, about midweek, if you remember in verse 14, it says the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple. He kind of co- goes in covertly, uh, not with a lot of fanfare, um, but then he goes on to publicly claim. Uh, he starts teaching and he publicly claims that he's uh, on a mission from God. Can you imagine that? Anybody remember the Blues Brothers? I mean, they would say, we're on a mission from God. These two goofy blues singers and people are like, you're on a mission from God, right? You? Well, that's what Jesus is claiming. Can you imagine some itinerant preacher walking up and in the middle of the festival going, uh, I am, uh, you know, uh, on a mission from God. That's a pretty big thing to say. Uh, How about this? He also claims that he's not uh, speaking on his own authority. He says that over and over throughout his his, uh, earthly ministry uh, and through the Gospel of John and in the story, that I'm I'm not speaking on my own authority. These aren't my words. I've been given this task. I'm on a mission, not my authority, the Father's authority. It talks to, him, talks to Yahweh uh, as father. Very amazing claims to these people, y'all. Um, he also claims that he comes from eternity. Can you imagine that? He, that he comes from eternity, was sent from God. Oh, and by the way, the gospel writer is not unabashed about it too. It is unabashed. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Well, those are, those are amazing claims about this Jesus. And so on the last day of the feast, he makes this giant culminating statement about who he is and about what he came to do. If anyone thirsts, I mean, their deepest need of your, the core of your humanity, your spirituality, all the eternal questions, you know, the, the ultimate questions that press down, if anyone has those, let him come to me and drink. Um, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What a thing to say. I mean, there's no, there's no confusion. And by the way, he also articulates indirectly a doctrine of the Trinity. That's got to be pretty, that was pretty amazing too. He is saying, I'm from 
God, I'm divine. So you got God the Father, Jesus saying, I'm divine. And now he's talking about the Holy Spirit too, with whom uh, they would have been familiar throughout the Old Testament. But he's talking about God and his spirit and God the Son. Um, There's a doctrine of the Trinity in there too. Well, a couple things make these verses interesting, or at least uh, complicated. Um, It says that on the last day of the feast, the great day, the last day of the feast, the great day. What the heck does that mean? The last day of the feast, okay, understand that, but the great day, why is it a great day? Um, the quick answer is this, no scholarship, no biblical scholarship can offer up a conclusive answer. <laughs> That's the short answer. Uh, what does it mean? On the last day of the feast, the great day, what does it mean? No one can totally agree on it, okay? But I can give you the, the snapshot. Um, the ideas in short of these, the first one is this. During the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, you got four centuries sitting there. Between that period, between uh, Malachi and and Matthew, Malachi and Matthew, um, (laughs) the uh, the customs are changing over 400 years. You can can see the customs might change, and one of the changes uh, was that the feast started running eight days. And uh, so you have extra biblical writers, Josephus and, and others, uh, saying, uh, and, you know, even, I don't want the, the Hippocrypha, the Apocrypha, um, extra biblical, extra biblical writings saying that the feast started running eight days. And so is it the seventh day or is it the eighth day? Not really sure. Um, but uh, if it were the eighth day, uh, oh, there's also a, some kind of water pouring ceremonies started during that period, too. And so if it were the eighth day, this water pouring ceremony would have taken on a great significance, and maybe Jesus is springboarding off of that. We don't know. All right, the second idea is this. They go, hey, extra biblical writings, let's count out, let's, let's look at the Bible. Who cares what, who's what, cares what this historian uh, is saying or the hypocrypha is saying? Um, forget that. Um, the last day means the last day of the feast. That means the, the day that the, 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 the tents are coming down. Um, and uh, it's kind of like the closing of the Olympics. You know, they have a big thing on the last day, and it really is the last day of the feast. It's not the eighth day, the day after. It's the last day of the feast. And so let's just take it as it says. Um, and uh, there was also a, um, a thing that they would do. There was a procession around the altar every day, and they would say, uh, they would quote Psalm 118, verse 25. They would say, Oh, then work now salvation, Jehovah. Oh, Jehovah, send now prosperity. Um, the ESV says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. That's uh, Psalm 118. Um, and the next verse is, blessed, to, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so people go, ah, see, um, that might be a kind of a springboard for Jesus too. Uh, and Psalm 118 has been called the great Hosanna and so on. Well, all that said, it's still inconclusive as to exactly what the last day of the feast is, whether it's the seventh or the eighth day, who knows? There's more amazing stuff that I could say too about that, but um, it's inconclusive, um, and uh, this great day and all that. But what's important is, ladies and gentlemen, that stuff is being fulfilled by and in Jesus. That's the important stuff. Jesus has come on the scene, and listen, the gospel has already swung on its hinges uh, Jesus is headlong for the cross. I'm telling you, um, a, a, a few more things happen, and he is on his way. And, you know, his, his day of dying, his day of atonement has not yet come. Um, 
but uh, he's becoming a lot more de- deliberate about who he is and what he's preaching, as you can see. And so even though it's inconclusive to scholars, there are plenty of verses um, that, would, that would have popped up in the minds of the average Jew. One of them would be this. Listen to this. Um, I love when, G- you know, Jesus, he says, oh, where's our, where's our verse? He says, um, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Well, when he says that, um, many a Jew would have thought, huh, I know my Bible uh, drills pretty well, and uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, Isaiah twelve three. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And, um, oh, let me read. This is, this is a little bit long, but this is awesome. William Hendrickson is a great dead commentator. And um, one of the things he, um, oh, what page is that? Oh, yeah, 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 look. This is awesome. Uh, so he, he, quotes, he quotes Haggai. Some, he quotes uh, a handful of verses from Haggai and then makes a, a commentary on it, all right? So I'm going to read you the Bible first, so don't get bored. Get bored later. Don't get bored when I'm reading the Bible. This is Haggai uh, 2, 6 through 9. God speaking. I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith Jehovah of hosts, the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith Jehovah of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, saith Jehovah of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith Jehovah of hosts. Now, here's what dude writes about this. I just love it. He says, this passage which in its deepest implications is a glorious messianic prophecy, must have been uttered not far away from the very place where Jesus now stood five centuries later. The time when it was spoken is almost remarkable. Haggai delivers his message of encouragement in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month. Uh, And uh, when Jesus, in a measure, fulfilled this prophecy and sought to persuade the thirsty ones to come to himself and drink, it was again the seventh month, the 21st or 22nd day of the month. Um, Even though there's not a mathematical certainty, the point of this guy is um, you you have prophecy being fulfilled almost in the same spot where the prophecy was made. Is that not unbelievable? And it it's, it's, it's all culminates in Jesus. And so an application for you, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Isaiah 12, 3. Uh, With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You know, when I was reading that in my margin, you know what I wrote? I wrote, Jesus, lover of my soul. Because there's a verse, there's a, that's a song we sing here. Um, there's a verse in that that uh, says this. Plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound, make and keep me pure within. Thou of life the fountain art. Freely let me take of thee, spring thou up within my heart, rise to all eternity. I mean, doesn't it sound a lot like this? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, from the wells of salvation, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I mean, what a picture, ladies and gentlemen. 
Um, you know, Tammy and I, last summer, after I trod on a senior high trip, um, we rented a vehicle and we drove to Yellowstone and the Tetons, and uh, we saw all kinds of cool stuff. But we saw Old Faithful. Has anybody seen Old Faithful? Look at all you people. Well, it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, uh, I was surprised that, like, nobody clapped and nobody said, ooh. I mean, well, you are standing there waiting a long time, and it goes, boo, and you go, well, that was it. Uh, it's great. It's cool. It's very, very cool. It's amazing. But what makes it amazing is that it's faithful. Like, uh, there are other geysers in that park, and one of the tour guys was like, you might get lucky and see it. The last eruption was in 1972. It's like, you'd have to be really fortunate to see that, you know? Uh, That's a lot of waiting around. But Old Faithful, every 90 minutes or so, kaboom, it's faithful. It springs up. And, um, you know, folks, that's what Jesus does for you. Um, He's Old Faithful. And um, the, the wells of eternity, they just don't leave you there. They, they, they flow like a river of living water. He saves, and he just doesn't leave you there. He continues to supply. All right, our next point. Uh, is it an offer or a command? Look at verse 37, the end of it. Uh, he says, um, uh, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Um, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, is it an invitation uh, or is it a command? That brings us to another uh, scholarly debate, which is this. It's very interesting. Um, When Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, he's actually, he's he's speaking in Aramaic. Isn't that interesting? So he's speaking to a group of people who would have understood Aramaic, but he says those words in Aramaic, and it's kind of like this. You know, uh, back, the first sushi I ever had in my life was at the Peabody, back when they had those rooftop parties when I was single. Remember when you had duck head pants? We used to to starch our pants. They were so starched, it was like, uh, it could barely get your legs in there. And just, we were, everything we had had heavy starch in it. We were just trying to meet women, you know, in our starched clothing. But they had sushi up there for the first time. And it was like, ooh, octopus, oh, sushi. It was the weirdest thing anyone had ever seen. Uh, No one knew about it in America. And uh, they had little Japanese sayings. And so I learned two of them. Uh, totally worthless. But one of them, it's, it's ironic too. One of them is Nippon go Wahanishimasu, which I'm told by Japanese-speaking people is total gibberish. Um, they can't understand it. But what it means is I speak Japanese. But isn't that ironic? It's like doubly ironic. I'm, the only thing I know how to say in Japanese is I speak Japanese and I'm doing it poorly. It's like lots of irony. But the other one, the one I do well is this. Itadakimasu. And I have blown Japanese people away with that. They'll say, hmm. I'll say, hmm, this is delicious. Ooh, I love this. Mm. Itadakimasu. And they go, wow. Because I'm like, uh, can I have some more? You know, the only thing I know how to say in Japanese is, can I have more food? You know, great. Um, but all to say, if somebody were transcribing this sermon, uh, they'd have to put a Japanese phrase in there or two, wouldn't they? Well, that's what's happening. Um, it's not like there was some document, some other, some, some Q document in Aramaic that the gospel writer was copying off of or anything like that. It's just that Jesus happened to say this in Aramaic and it's quoted. But I say all that to say this, that um, it, it introduces um, some, uh, some difficulty in, in how to interpret it, all right? Um, I think, all, I think all he's saying here, the, the order of things, you know, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Um, 
what Jesus is, is basically saying, friends, is this. If we break down the appeal, he's making an appeal to all who are hearing, um, who, all, who, who are reading here today, um, anyone who has eyes to see and ears to hear. It's an appeal um, that if anyone thirsts, come to me. And I, I say to you that we all have thirst and that our lives are dictated by thirsts. Um, thirsts, I mean, they're almost cliches. Money can be a thirst. You can be thirsty for money. You can be thirsty for blood. You can be thirsty for power. Um, uh, it might have been our grace group. I can't remember what, I think it was our grace group. We were talking about The Jerk. Uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about in your grace group, but we were talking about the movie The Jerk and uh, how, how it's, wasn't it, wasn't it a grace group? Yeah. Um, how Steve Martin, uh, yeah, Bernadette Peters, uh, she doesn't miss all the money. She just misses all the stuff. You know, stuff is great. <laughs> stuff is fun. But you can be thirsty for stuff, and you can be thirsty for so many things. Um, and again, we'll, we'll close with something pretty powerful. But I, I, I ask you this. Are you currently thirsting for the something in life that is supposed to make you satisfied ultimately? Like, are you outside of Christ? Are you visiting a church? Or you've been here uh, for 20 years maybe? And uh, you're going, yeah, but there's still a gnawing thirst inside of me for answers to ultimate questions about eternity and my relationship with God and uh, why life has any meaning at all. Um, Jesus' message to you is, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. Um, uh, If you're a Christian um, and you're scrapping through life and you're trying to find answers and you're trying to muscle your way through situations, which I confess to you, I do all the time. I, I, I find myself operating in my own power a lot. I don't know about you, but I, I, especially as I get older and a little bit craftier, uh, you know, you gain a little bit of life wisdom and you're like, oh, I think I can accomplish this in my own power a little bit. And, um, but there's still annoying thirst, isn't there, for satisfaction? Um, Jesus is saying that he supplies it. Uh, he's got an answer. Um, the other thing I'm going to read to you is this cool thing from uh, one of the books of Narnia. And I know I, I never quote Narnia books because I think pastors quote them too much. Um, in fact, I have a couple. There's a couple illustrations. Where's Tammy? She knows. There's a couple illustrations that uh, if, if a pastor uses it, I get up and leave because I, I can't listen to it again. Uh, I've just heard so many different pastors use these same illustrations again and again. But anyway... Um, this is, this is pretty awesome. This is from The Silver Chair, which I guess was the fourth book, or and now it's the seventh book, or it's, it's anyway, the order of books. But anyway, this is one of the books of Narnia, um, and uh, she, draws, she draws near to the lion, you know, the lion, Aslan, the lion. Um, and uh, she draws near to the water, and she sees a lion, the lion crouched before it. And um, the lion says, if you are thirsty, come and drink. Jill does not move. Are you not thirsty, the lion asks? I'm dying of thirst, says Jill. Then drink, says the lion. Jill goes, may I, could I, would you mind going away while I do? Jill stutters. The lion answers with a low growl, and Jill realizes he will not move away. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I come, said Jill. I make no promise, says the lion. Jill was so thirsty now, without noticing it, she had come a step nearer. I daren't come and drink, said Jill. 
Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh, dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. And this commentary writer says this. Lewis makes a vital point, C.S. Lewis. Jesus invites you to come, but only on his terms. <laughs> is that not awesome? You know, um, is, it a, is it an invitation, an offer, or is it a command? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I, I think it's both. It's an invitation. It's a broad invitation. If anyone thirsts, you feel it? Come to Jesus and drink. It's an offer, but it's a command. Oh, Jesus, will you move? I get out of the way because you scare me a little bit. Are you, you, you promise you're not going to do anything to me? Don't make that promise. By the way, if you do come, Jesus is going to do a lot to you. He's going to change you. Everything is going to be different. Um, and so... You know, it reminds me of this George Whitfield comment. You know, George Whitfield went all over the place with Charles Wesley. And Charles Wesley was Arminian, and George Whitfield was Calvinist. But they had this relationship, and they did these big tent revivals together. Listen to George Whitfield, the Calvinist. Ooh, Calvinism. Ooh. Listen. He calls you by his ministers. Oh, come unto him. Beg of him to break your stubborn hearts that you may be willing to be brought to him in his own way to be made poor in spirit. He only wants you to believe on him that you might be saved. This, this is all the dear Savior desires to make you happy that you might leave your sins to sit down eternally with him. Is that not refreshing? I mean, he calls you by his ministers. It's an offer. Command though too. Come, believe, receive the Lord of glory, make a decision, move to the Christ, take another step to the water, take another step to the water, take another step, come and drink. It's not going to be brought, come and drink. It's an offer, but it's a command. Um, And as Whitfield beseeches you, and as C.S. Lewis (laughs) beseeches you, and as the Lord Jesus beseeches you, I I beseech you, uh, come receive the Lord of glory. He will satisfy your thirst. All right, our last point. Um, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, in verse 30, verses 38 and 39, we see that uh, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, that's complicated because Jesus says, um, as the scriptures, um, Scripture has said, um, and uh, scholarship doesn't really know to which Scriptures those point. Um, it is widely thought that... Um, you can you can point to uh, a zillion scriptures about water in the Old Testament that point to Jesus. But whatever he's saying, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He's talking about um, blessings. That when you're blessed, out of you flow blessings. And I was reading some other commentary. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but uh, the guy was saying that something like, um, when you've been helped in this way. When a Christian's been helped, you will find, weirdly, that people will come to you for help. Have you noticed that, anybody? Because I have in my life, before I was in the ministry, before I was ever in the ministry. Um, and I, it's not like I was living a glowing life either. But when people would have, they, they would come to a point of crisis, 
and their marriage would fall apart or their life would fall apart or some horrible thing would happen, I get some call out of the blue after years from some stranger and they, they, they want to talk to me. And I'm like, why me? Because, because my thirst has been met or at least I've tasted. Um, I, I, not living perfectly, but, I, I, but I, I've, been, I've been given the water. Um, and so, you, you know, I talked to a guy just last week who's kind of struggling about connecting uh, with people in church. And I said, you know, I said, people walk into church in one of two ways all, all, all the time. They walk into a church in one of two ways. They either walk in going, what do you have for me? Oh, that, I like that. That's interesting. Okay, that's a plus. Uh, that's a good program. That's a good thing for the kids. Uh, nah, nah, nah. What do you have for me? They either walk in thinking, what do you have for me? Or they walk in going, where is the need? Lord, you placed me here, and I'm going to find need. There's one of two countenances for people. And, um, and I'll tell you, those conditions can change. So like when you go through terrible tragedy, when you're, when you're in terrible tragedy, all you know to do is hold on to the life preserver somebody's thrown you. So it's okay to mend. It's okay to take. I don't know if you remember uh, when churches were blowing up all over town um, and uh, just w- one church after another, what one particular church down the road here, well, Ger- Germantown Baptist, was just blowing up. And people were coming here from Germantown Baptist, and I could see them sitting out there every week. And I could see the pain on their faces. And I don't know if you remember this or not, it was many years ago, but I, I would tell them every week, I'd say, I know that some of you are visiting and uh, that you don't want to be here and you don't want to be here on, under these conditions and it's incredibly painful. And I would say, just mend, just be ministered to, just hear God's word. And if you, if you end up staying here, that's great, but there's not going to be any pressure to try to build their numbers or anything like that. Just mend. And so I know that those conditions change, all right? But it's still the reality. You either look at a church going, what do they have for me at that place? Or where is the need at my church family? <laughs> One of two countenances. And uh, what Jesus is saying, that uh, the, the, the real deal, the, the real exhibitor of health uh, has thirsted, uh, has drunk of the living water, and out of that person's heart will flow rivers of living water. All right, I'll close with this. Um, I don't want to get, I, I could easily launch into a, a political uh, mess. I don't want to do that at all. Let me say this, before immigration and border walls and that whole discussion, before all that discussion ever came up, I mean, 12 years ago, I read an article that made me want to uh, secure the borders. And it was an article about Mexican immigrants, Mexican people trying to get into the United States. And um, it, just has, it just has stuck with me, this one, this one thing. They would have a gallon jug of water in one hand and a gallon jug of water in the other hand. And they go, okay, I'm going to go for it. Now, forget smugglers and, and these horrible people that let people die in, in freight containers or these, these horrible uh, smugglers that'll uh, say, just hug the rocks and you'll make it there in two days. And it's a 10-day journey and they die out there. They just take the people's money, just let them die out there. That happens all the time. But this story, gallon jug, gallon jug, 
They're making their way across the desert, and it's not enough. The sun's too hot. The water doesn't last. They expire out there, and they die. And here's what the, has stuck with me all these years. Um, they were finding clothing in the bushes and a pile of clothing over here. And apparently, when you, apparently dying of thirst is terrible. Your tongue swells. You can barely talk and breathe. Um, your eyes sink in, and you're just drying up like a raisin truly. And um, one of the last things some people will do when they are desperately thirsty is they tear off all their clothes before they plop down dead. And I have never forgotten that. Can you imagine the desperation of feeling thirst so acutely that right before you die, you just, you don't know what to do except tear off everything that's on your body and then you die. Well, that's a, that's certainly a, a problem with humanity that should be addressed. That's not my point. My point is that's thirst at its most acute state. All right? Tuck that away. Here's another story from Chris Luke. Chris Luke knows a guy who's had a heroin problem. And uh, the guy is off heroin, and he is uh, rehabilitated, and he's fine. But he told Chris Luke, he said, if I were in Collierville, and you cut off both my legs at the knees, and I had bare bone and bloody stumps, and uh, if, I were, if I were hooked on heroin right now, you told me there was heroin on Mud Island, I would start crawling on my stumps, and I would not stop until I got to Mud Island. Nothing would keep me from here to that heroin. And I'm telling you, that's another picture of thirst at its most acute state. Well, friend, you might not be hooked on heroin, and uh, you might be in the kingdom, but you still are thirsty. And uh, don't ever think you're not thirsty. You have thirsts that drive your behavior. You have thirsts that make you think a certain way. You have thirsts that make you prioritize a certain way. And what I'm saying, that a takeaway for us in this passage is that we can say, Lord, Bring us back to the basics, that um, um, my soul longs for you in a land that is weary and uh, lacking uh, of water. Um, the, the, the answer we're all looking for and that uh, we, we maneuver around is that we are thirsty, and the only thing that can supply that thirst is the Savior, and that happens on the front side of the cross before you are rescued, and it happens on the back side of the cross after you are rescued. Um, so I would just encourage you and me to, um, this week, examine your thirst. Examine the things that gnaw at your heart. The answer is this Savior, this Savior, this Savior, the Holy Spirit uh, who was sent, who flows. Let's pray. Lord, um, our thirsts are masked by our intelligence, by our, our polish, by our veneer, by our accomplishments, by our good names, um, but we are thirsty people, and uh, we thirst for the deepest things, the deepest answers, uh, the thing at the core of our humanity. Um, it can only be met in a right relationship with the living God, provided by the Savior, um, and, and and on your conditions. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you would make our hearts fertile for your conditions. We pray, Lord, that um, blessings would flow from us as the world sees us and evaluates a strange hope that resides in us. God, meet our need, but uh, keep us thirsty. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you.